0: Hello. Good evening, Jeff. Hello there, sir. Hey. Good evening. Hey. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers Uh, to you. This is the uh, second episode. Second episode
1: of The Porchman.
0: Welcome back to The Porchman Dialogues, everyone. It's been about a week since we last convened, and a lot has happened in the outside world and the the sporting world and also in soccer. There's uh, plenty to talk about. We'll try not to ramble too much.
1: Sure, we'll touch on some Spurs, touch on some United.
0: Yeah, definitely kind of like a tale of two cities uh, this past week in terms of results.
1: It's been interesting. Let's go with with Spurs first, then we'll talk United, and then
0: uh, we'll talk general bullshit after that. That's a classic bad news first, then good news first time. I figured figured we'd save the best for last, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Um,
1: So Spurs this week, I know what happened today, but they played earlier this week. Yeah, it was uh, a a scrappy,
0: a brave 1-0 win against against Everton. Everton. That's right, that's right. That's what it was. It was a uh, own goal. Oh, that's right.
1: It was Lucello had the shot. Correct. It was yeah. deflected yep. badly off yep. the team. There you go. There you go. Yeah, off the keen deflection. Um, certainly not your best performance of the year. I'll well, say that much. All fairness,
0: we locked down Everton, who had looked lively. They're, they've had good flashes this season, but easy to be discouraged when you see the contrast between the recent past. Uh, in the last few seasons with Spurs, and then kind of see the output now.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a whole different ballgame. Obviously, a different manager, a different approach, different style, which I think we'll get to that after we talk about today's result too. But I don't know. I know I would, I'm sure at times it's got to be frustrating for you as a fan to know that you guys have these attacking weapons and these players that have proven before that they can do it, and it's just... It doesn't even look like the same team right now.
0: It really doesn't. There's no fluidity. There doesn't seem to be any chemistry in terms of how the ball moves around. They obviously know how to pass. Mm -hmm. Did you know that goals, more often than not, cannot occur without passes before it? I wasn't aware until I watched a match today. Yeah, there are a lot of passes whose intent were all to lead up to a goal that we created. That wasn't what happened. However, um, that was the intent.
1: <laughs> a lot of possession and a lot of passing. The, yeah. The Mourinho yeah. staple. Yes,
0: so. yes. So I'll, I'm not going to make a full judgment, even after today's 102-minute uh, nothing-fest <laughs> no. of, uh, of a nil-nil. Yeah, 12 uh, minutes of extra time. Yeah, yeah. exactly, because they're their uh, right back, I believe, Smith, Went down, bit of a nasty clatter, down for eight minutes, I think, on the the pitch, and so uh, that automatically threw a big chunk on, but even after a nil-nil result, I'm not going to, I'm going to resolve full judgment until there's somewhat of what you can even call a a transfer window for the summer, uh, all things considered with what's going on, uh, and see who gets cleared out, because as with any club, you need to keep it fresh, and energetic with new life and and new talent just to keep everyone honest and uh, keep everyone on a, on a fresh mindset as much as possible in this league where everything is so competitive and it's small margins. You have to build mentality as well. And that comes with the right people.
1: Yep. Yeah, definitely. You guys definitely need some fresh blood in there. And uh, I don't think there's anyone that's quite, you know, over the hill yet or, completely done career-wise, but you guys definitely need some new blood. It's just going to be interesting with the dynamic that's kind of happening right now. We we watched it a little bit back to the match today. We watched the highlight a little bit earlier, and you you guys did get screwed on a non-call non, non call on a pen with Kane getting pushed in the back. But uh, the glaring stat to me was not, not having one shot on yeah, the goal the exactly. entire game. And it's just... I hate to say it, man. It just brings me back to the days of when he was our manager and we completely outplayed teams and we had all this possession and we completed 87.6% of our passes, but we wouldn't even have a shot on goal. And I don't know. It's that almost like play from behind mentality at all time that I just, I don't know.
0: It has to be deflated and a yeah. bit. Discouraging and, and it takes a lot of energy to keep that mentality, that siege mentality, in a way.
1: Well, and when you've played in a system previous to this, that I'll just say more fluid mm-hmm. and allowed for way more creativity and way more goals to happen, and obviously got you guys to the point of where you're runners up in Champions League. And obviously, shit didn't work out with Pochettino at the beginning of this year, and you know, it remains to be seen whether the right call was made or not made, but uh, I think you're right as a fan right now to not pass judgment. I just, I hate that's modern day culture nowadays, right? Like a couple bad performances because even last week wasn't good from you guys, but now, you know, it turns into this huge thing of, oh, he's got to go and blah, 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 blah. And sometimes the grass isn't always greener and it's it's best to stick with what you have now, but it's also like you see the growing pains going through a change of system and it's the same thing I saw at United when we had Moyes and then Giggs and then Van Hall and then Mourinho and now what we we currently have and it's just it just sucks as a fan because you have to watch that reset button get hit and sometimes you have to watch some football that isn't very entertaining which I think is what you guys have going on right now it's just like even me just watching today's game It's just wasn't exciting, you know? It wasn't. I agree.
0: <laughs> uh, I watched it out of devotion and loyalty. Well, of course. You uh, have to. You it, have to. I've just, done it for seven years. Yeah, and just uh, out of that eternal hope that they're going to pull one out just in the drop jo- at the drop of a hat, you know? But uh, it wasn't the case. It was a long, drawn-out, tedious, uh, molasses-like affair, uh, aside from quick flashes of activity. But moving on, North London Derby. That's what I was going to say. I just pulled that up.
1: I, I wanted to see. I knew we have four matches left. Obviously, you guys have four league matches left. And uh, you're, you're personally just has a friend of yours, I know. This is one of your
0: favorite teams. Mm. So Yeah, this is... Uh, honestly, this is just for bragging rights. This is for pride. This is for know getting the spot up on them in the table with four total matches left we when we go up on them two points mm-hmm. with three to play and then given that we've been playing that's always going to be a bit of uh, a roll of the dice but it would be a big morale boost going into the last three matches and nine available points of the season so well and I think you looking, looking at those other three matches, you guys have
1: Newcastle, which is easily, I think, winnable for sure. Leicester is going to be the toughest one left, and especially they're playing well right now. Exactly. And then you close out with Crystal Palace. Right. I hope you guys get some mojo back, some magic back, at least so you can finish out the season strong and go into, as you mentioned before, whatever sort of transfer window is even going to happen or be or... Because I think the other thing that I keep forgetting is after the league is done, they're gonna finish Champions League in Europa.
0: I believe you're right. So yeah, they're that goes doing in, domestic and then going into
1: European. Yeah, that goes into August. Then, so I don't know if they're gonna have it open while teams are still playing the Champions League. Maybe we should know that by now. Who knows? But I don't know. Overall, uninspiring match today, but. Bournemouth's fighting for their lives, too. I think that's something that's uh, easily overlooked, right? They're fighting relegation for the first time, which even for them is kind of weird considering how consistent they've been since Howe's been there. It's easy to
0: forget that they were bottom of the football pyramid in terms of the top four leagues, I believe, Mm -hmm. in terms of Premier League Championship, League One, League Two. I believe they were bottom of League Two, at least toward the bottom of League Two. Eddie Howe has led them through... Every single promotion. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, yeah, and even since they've been in the league, they've consistently finished. In that 8 to yeah, 14.
1: 13, yeah, something right around there. You know? Yeah. 8 to
0: 12. Yep. Yeah.
1: Right in that range, consistently. You know, they've just been outside of that top seven. Which is games.
0: nothing to be ashamed of. They're Not playing in the best league in the world against evident super clubs that have resources. <laughs> yeah, you just look at, at the yeah, financial
1: resources mm-hmm. of the top seven, eight clubs in that league. and a Bournemouth just doesn't stack up there, but their performances have. I think Howe's a good coach. It's it's crazy to me that they're in the spot that they're in right now. I just and it's been a weird year, anyways. But obviously, it's not like they were playing well before this happened.
0: So they're a good club. There's context, but uh, still a lot to improve on if you can in the last four matches of the season. So it's just the the narrative moving forward. But that's our plight, and enough with the uh, the downer type of news because that's their own battles to fight. I have no power over that. You guys have had much different results in we've, your city.
1: Yeah, I mean we we've been we've been solid. Honestly, I think it's easy to point out Bruno Fernandez's
0: impact and <laughs> he's, since the restart.
1: It's like a completely different team with him here. You know to see the stats that he's putting up to see the results that the team has and you know guys like you and i we don't just watch matches and deal with results we also look at the chemistry of the team even from crazy stuff like social media posts and stuff like that and uh
0: it's a living breathing element of any top club
1: yep and it's just i don't know it's a completely different feel man and uh To see Pogba back and smiling and happy and doing interviews, talking about how happy he is. And, uh, you know, I've never really argued with you about Pogba because I think you and I see eye to eye, but I've got into it with some of your buddies about Pogba. And, uh, you know, you can say what you want to say about the haircuts and the social media and all of this. Like at the end of the day, the dude just wants to win. That's it. He He plays at a major club, a huge club. He wants players around him that are at his level so they can compete every single year.
0: It's also easy to forget that he has history at United and that he has a bit of a personal stake in his return to the club that fostered him. And so going back to Bruno, I think what's bringing the smile back to Paco's face is that there is another midfielder of his level of talent who also was holding him to a higher standard and being unapologetic and just kind of low ego and just saying, Hey, I need more from you because this is what I'm bringing. To
1: yeah. Pitch. Well, and naturally it, it, just happens, right? Like if you're a competitor at all, like we played sports growing up, the whole thing, like, you know, if you, if someone gets injected into your team, that's putting on a better performance than you. I was the type of guy where it's like, okay, I need to raise my level now. Be, mm-hmm. And I think that's what everyone's doing. And they know they have a difference maker, but it's like, yo, I have to play better to play to this guy's level. And, uh, the only thing I could say is I wish we would have bought him in the summer instead of waiting until January. It's
0: funny you mention that. I wish we had bought there him last summer when we were linked. And according to Bruno himself, personal terms agreed, etc. It was just the matter of the classic clubs agreeing to uh, final transfer fee, which just didn't work last summer. And then uh, it just kind of had to be delayed while he showed his loyalty to the club and put in a shift. And I think that just kind of puts him into that, bit of a different echelon yet of also virtuous, talented footballers in Europe.
1: I've followed United for twenty five plus years and I can't remember another transfer that had such an impact so quickly. I can't even remember one that's remotely even close to it. Like the guy has become the leader of the team and you can clearly see it. Everything revolves around him and we're just seeing the level of everyone else being raised and why we're on that topic, and we talked about him a little bit before we started recording tonight, it's undeniable what Mason Greenwood is doing at 18 years old. And as I talked about last podcast, obviously I'm a huge Jaden Sancho fan, and I think about like the future of England, starting to look at it and like, your brother, funny enough, sent me a text when they played earlier this week, which was the 5-2 win over Bournemouth when they came back he just texted me holland who as a joke after greenwood scored his second one and it, he asked the question man i'm like honestly like who's the best teenager in the world right now and and i told him I, I just said holland's numbers are undeniable this year the guy has 40 plus goals yes they're in the austrian league the majority of them but he's also came to bundesliga and kept it up so i said you have to look at Mason Greenwood, not only getting his chances, but capitalizing on him. And he has a natural scoring ability that you hear the coaches say, I hear Ole say he's the best striker I've ever coached. But you think to yourself, okay, is he just trying to give the kid confidence? Like, is it really? And you start seeing the things that he's doing with both of his feet. And the future's bright. That's all I have to say. And uh, I had a talk with my dad today as I was watching the match with him. and, And I just said, United just needs to sit him down, not give him a massive deal, but give him a comfortable deal where he knows, like, we want you here to stay. We're going to build, continue to build this team around you. And, obviously, people like Pogba and Bruno Fernandez. But I don't know, man. I mean, we talked about it earlier. United's front three have more goals than Liverpool's front three this season. That's insane to think about. It really is. And, obviously, our defense and midfield have been nowhere close to their level, and that's obvious by just the sheer results in the table right now. But at least, I'll say this, as a fan, it gives me at least promise and excitement for the future that, hey, if we can get everything figured out on the back line and in the middle, which I think the middle's starting to get figured out, and uh, mean we just re-sign Modic, which I'm kind of... 2023, uh, it's, a, it's yeah. a hefty deal for a guy's age. Yeah, Maybe it,
0: it's his last contract, he's been a servant. So. Yeah, and his... Honestly,
1: his performances here have been terrible before the break. Aside right? from
0: his assist and the Bournemouth match. Well,
1: yeah. So he's played very well after the COVID break, but yeah, up and to that point, there was a reason he wasn't playing. Like <laughs> it's because of his performances. But I just uh, I, I struggle, and I know you can call me biased or what. I struggle to say is there a hotter team in the EPL right now?
0: Yeah, it's. I mean, four easy. straight matches
1: by three plus goals.
0: It's easy to see just kind of the inversion of style at clear points of the season for you all where things turned around with the Bruno transfer and then just the the springboard after the restart in terms of the consistent comfort of the style that you all are imposing on others and going back to knowing that you have to invest in midfield and defense, the Benefit that United and Spurs both have is that they can see where the obvious talent is on the roster in the squad Mm -hmm. and that in itself is already a benefit. It's better to know what you definitely do have as assets and then identify points of weakness rather than just being adrift in a Sea of mediocrity and just knowing that you don't really have that good of a squad to begin with, and you don't know where to start. So we both can compare each other's front attacking talents because they're almost interchangeable in terms of overall quality, you know, squad to squad, and we parallel each other in terms of needing crucial, conscious investments in both defensive midfield and defense. You know, yep. your, your center back kind of situation has been a bit of a carousel the last few seasons it's evident it's been documented and I think that aside from McGuire who's a, a good pickup I think that you know it, it's been a bit of a drop off in terms of having two consistent quality center backs at United you know McGuire was your investment and in a linchpin moving forward for the next decade and that had been overdue for a while because it had always been a bit of a committee approach for yeah. a while after, Long especially time. after, you know, Rio left. Yeah.
1: And well, yeah, and that's what, we've never been the same since Rio and Vidic. Like, and that you know, I, I would argue. Smalling
0: showed promise, but it yep. was a bit of a it was a brief prime, if you could call it. Yeah. You know, it was it was yeah. a couple quality above average seasons.
1: And the thing is, is like, I I don't think Chris Smalling and Phil Jones were bad buys at the time. And, I mean, they both came but when they were 18, 19 years old. But, yeah, it was clear after two to three seasons clubs. that yeah. it's like you're not, you know, you're not going to be at this level, you know. You're and not I a, even, no.
0: go, go ahead. No, yeah, you, you're just, you're not going to be a long-term starter at a top club in the world. I mean, as we've talked about, there's always been a concentration of talent. And there's only going to be so many top talents available at those limited positions of any top club for those spots and just the generational you know, movement of new and better talent coming in at all times it's not viable to say that these two guys, although quality they show an evident drop off of ability against other center backs in Europe, yeah. even at lesser clubs, oh, so yeah, when you sure. have that bit of a um, that soft spot in your heart of defense at a top club that can only kind of work against any sort of a long-term strategy because you can have all the attacking talent in the world, but if you don't have the heart of your defense at a top club, it's hard to say that you even can have an engine to move forward. Yep.
1: Yeah. And I think it's got to start there. And honestly, like, I felt like, I, I know Jones is still there, currently hurt, surprise, surprise, um and smalling at roma i honestly felt like they held on to them both for too long and it's one of those things it's like the longer i i just felt as a fan of the club for as long as i've been the longer and longer you hold on to those players that are clearly not at the level that the club once had you, you then begin to question right like the desire and what is the goal of this not only do i see better center backs at places like real madrid I also see better center backs at places like Tottenham or
0: Leverkusen,
1: Leverkusen or RB Leipzig right now. Both of their center Kupacano. backs. I would take in Kanate. C- I would take both of those guys over Lindelof right now. And Lindelof's been playing well. He's been starting. Mm-hmm. But it's like both of those guys, A are younger, are way more athletic and show way more potential. And Lindelof was a Mourinho buy. so yeah, it is what it is. But and I like him, he's a great teammate. I think about, we have Maguire and Lindelof, and then... It's a bit of a... Rojo's on loan, Smalling's gone, Baie Jones is hurt, Baye's back, yeah, 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 he just but... got back, yeah. As you stated, and I think was the premise of all this, is it's clear what United needs, I think it's clear what Tottenham needs, right? It's just, what are these clubs, A, going to be able to spend? Because sure obviously revenue revenues are down. plummeted. And uh, I think we both know, obviously Spurs will be affected a little bit more than a club like United are, but it's you know, is there going to be a transfer window? How long is it going to be? What What is it going to look like? I, none of us know right now.
0: Yeah, it'll it'll be a mystery. It'll be hard to adapt in general, but I think it's going to be a bit of a, a different factor of survival of the fittest in terms of clubs who know how to make the right decisions at crucial junctures and positions that keep them in this league with the limited time and now resources that are available to them with everything that has impacted the economics of, of this sport.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It's going, be, it's going to be an interesting end to the season. There's a, a lot of tight races. We could finish sixth or third or anywhere in between. I hope, I hope we keep the hot hand, but both Leicester and Chelsea are both playing really, really well. Um, we do have Leicester, the last game of the season, which I think may come down to be one of those fun kind of final day things to see. I think we should know, I believe in the next week or two, that Man City appeal results are going to come out. So
0: That'll definitely be kind of a edge-of-your-seat moment, just to see if the original decision is upheld, which you would hope it is. Just I would to agree keep some sort of a legitimacy to there being a supervisory board to begin with. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. like somewhat trying to make a fair playing field for all clubs.
0: Right, right? to not have to laugh whenever you say financial fair play.
1: Yes, there you go. That's the best way of putting it. If anything changes, I could see them going from a two-year ban to a one-year ban, but I would love to see them uphold the two-year ban. And the best part, too, is it just throws in the doubt of... Are the players going to stay there? Is Pep going to stay there? Because you have players that are in the prime of their career that are literally going to sit for two seasons and not be able to play Champions League. It's going to be interesting, man. And you, as you know, and you have hatred for some other clubs too, there's nothing more in this world than I would love for that club to not be successful. So I would
0: like to see that overly concentrated pool of talent dispersed and filing into other clubs just to see how it would affect not only the English league in terms of where they would wind up, but also just other European top clubs. It would be, not to praise them too much, but a bit of like an all-star team disbanding yeah. Yeah, and joining sure. new clubs and just seeing how those dynamics would change not only those leagues, but the clubs, obviously. Yeah. And again, just a bit of a moral victory to have there be a a definite consequence to unnatural amounts of money from outside sources having an impact on the way that leagues unfold in terms of season results and titles talent acquisition etc.
1: It's um you said praise for an all-star team. I don't I don't think it's even praise. It's just fact. Like, we, we you look at the starting... They basically have two starting 11s.
0: I guess I don't praise them because the, the reason they the can assemble they them is that they can just yeah, throw the money for sure. at the it. Way it, it wasn't an organic type of long-term strategy. It was yeah. just, we want you. We have the money. Let's go.
1: Well, and I, I just... The thing that bothers me the most is the bucking of the youth talent where it's... I mean, Phil Phone gets occasional minutes, but... I mean, obviously we know about Jaden Sancho, but he plays no one. Plays zero youth at all. Like, there's nothing. There's no heart to the club. There's no soul to the club. There's no anything. Yes, you have a great stadium and great facilities and all this sort of stuff, but there's nothing. There's no soul to the club at all. It's just a hollow shell of just money, and that's it.
0: It's basically been artificially juiced up and given a – a proxy culture of meaning through results when the meaning should organically come from the club culture, the surrounding fan base, other historical results, but they just kind of decided the cold calculated route of bypassing the the pain and the struggle of well, growth.
1: And th- and that's what's funny too. is like they didn't even bypass it because they've been a club for 100 plus years mm-hmm. with little success, right? Correct. Like, you know, United, obviously it took until the 50s and 60s for them to even start success. And then they fell off a little bit again. And then Ferguson picked them back up late 80s, early 90s. But you had this weird identity of, okay, just being this middle of the run club in England for 100 years. The weird part for me is like, think about if you're just looking at it from an outsider and you're just looking at results at the table and you see this one club literally just do close to nothing for a hundred years and then all of a sudden they compete for everything every single year. It's just weird, right? And I get it. It's this day and age and it's money and I get it. But I guess I'll end it on this. Financial fair play needs to do the right thing and that's it.
0: Yeah, it would seem a deflating result if the governing body that decided this punishment then has to retract it. Oh, yeah. And it calls then into question Manchester City's intent of being a club when you know that you have to adhere to rules. It's part of a contract of being under the umbrella of a governing body of of a sport. And then to actively Break these rules, guidelines, and then act surprised when there's a punishment handed down.
1: Yeah, uh, that's the best part too. Is like, I love how they go and argue. Well, you don't understand. It's like, really disingenuous. Yeah, so like, you know what you've done. Correct. And then you try and argue that Who, the way us, you, yeah, the way you did it wasn't. Well, well technically, yeah. You yeah. know yeah. what? We got a lot of that going on in the world right now. So well, technically, yes. I just, uh, I don't think they're such a powerful, influential club at this point that it's going to be completely wiped. Because it's just not. I can see it going down to one year, but hopefully it just sticks at two years and they really say, this is the warning to everyone out there, right? Right. Yeah, I hope, but we'll see. And I think think it's in the next week or two where it comes out. It really
0: would be good for the sport just to dissuade and discourage any other club that would look to City as some sort of an inspiration for how they should operate their own club and try and get the same types of results.
1: Well, yeah, and also have it not be, as you mentioned earlier, like a laughable thing when financial fair play...
0: Yeah, you don't want to be an oxymoron.
1: City wasn't the first club because PSG, for a couple years, and it's like, just nothing happened. It's like, we're just going to allow you to do what you're doing. My favorite part, my favorite part about clubs like these, especially PSG, absolutely dominates their league, right? City has... First or second best team in the league for the last five seasons, six seasons. Most of the time, they're the best team. Yet, still haven't won Champions League. And that's my favorite part about clubs like that. It's karma. It is. I have, I have to think in my heart of hearts that that's what it is. And it's just like, we know. The, you don't get the
0: ultimate prize. Yeah,
1: no, 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 we'll give you your league. We'll give you your domestics.
0: But not the ultimate.
1: You're not going to get it. You're just not. There's nothing more I love than watching those teams fail in Champions League. I just love it. And rant.
0: And rant. And thinking of Champions League and where we were last year, I just want uh, a conscious rebuild for Spurs. Just a complete contrast from what we were talking about, the heights of Champions League glory. Uh, Now just back to basics and back to earth of a, a club rebuild where... Assets need to be moved on and new ones need to be brought in. That's basically all my kind of main goal is for Spurs moving forward for the next few months is identify who needs to go, be unapologetic about executing that, bring in people at needed spots where it's been evident that it has not been invested in for too long and then just see what a quote-unquote full preseason with the new manager will bring and actual fresh slate of results that he doesn't have to try and counteract that's tough to do for any manager and then to throw on top coronavirus as well I am just kind of more in the cerebral area of looking at my club and wondering what's going to happen but yeah that's all I have to you guys,
1: I mean, you guys are in a weird spot right now, man. There's just... I know that's a blunt way to put it, but you guys are just... Not not necessarily a weird spot. I guess it's certainly a transitional spot, but just one that I can see ending either really, really positive or really, really negative. And I hate to say it, if I hadn't experienced it myself, you know, I wouldn't speak so strongly about it, but I have. And I watched it at other clubs. I don't know, man. I don't know. I guess we'll see what happens. And... uh like I said, hopefully you guys just can get your shit together at least for these last three or four matches, and you know have some results, finish seventh, eighth, something like that. Especially if you could get into Europa right now, that'd be good. And be
0: a good consolation. Wolves
1: have been struggling a little bit. They started out super hot after the break, and then kind of cooled off this past week. So, and obviously, I mean, it starts with you guys on Sunday. You got you got to beat Arsenal and hop ahead of them, hop into eighth place, and then start crawling from there.
0: I'll take baby steps at this point because it's all we got in this world right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Pretty much, that's actually a very good metaphor. Yeah, <laughs> just...
0: start with baby steps if ever you're in doubt about what to do during these chaotic. You know, whether it's times. going to the
1: grocery store or like. Trying to get sports back or...
0: Baby steps.
1: Traveling. It's baby steps. That's baby it.
0: steps, my friend. Baby steps. I love how we find these beautiful themes what was the it? end.
1: Uh, what was it last week? Focus groups. Focus groups. of the groups. thing last week. Exactly. Baby steps is the thing this week. Ba- baby steps is the focus, focus group yes. of this week. Correct. Yes. There we go. I like that. And okay. then
0: next week... The new subject will be the baby steps of that one. <laughs> yes, so it uh, will be a baton relay of <laughs> what's it is. the new term for, that we just created last week. There it is. All right. Cool. There it is. All right, man. Well, let's get this all gussied up and we'll get this out to the world. We'll see you next time, listeners, on the Porchman Dialogues.
1: Thanks, us all, for joining us. And uh, over and out.
0: Over and out.